Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Blog Talk Radio and Drive Through HR. It is Wednesday, February 26, 2020, almost to leap leap day. Uh, I'm your host, Robin Schooling. Along with me is my co-host, Michael Vandervoort. Hey, Mike. Hey, hey Robin. I'm, I'm more like the occasional walk-in guest here recently. <laughs> <laughs> it's been, anyway, it's good. It's actually been, it's been a while since I've been on Drive Through, and it's, it's good to hear your voice. Um, yeah, I been know. moving and moving to another state. I'm back in Florida now, and I'm in a in a new condo, and I'm mostly unpacked, but not quite filled fully. So, I have been quite busy with. Two jobs and a move, and uh, man, yeah, I know. It's, it's, crazy. it's been fun. <laughs> anyway, see, yeah, and it's so. good. It's it's good. It's leap year. You get an extra day to to do that move. That's right, and that I move. get and I get daylight savings time coming up too, where I get to spring roll back an hour, right? Spring forward. No, yep. I, get an hour. I, don't, I don't know. Something happens with time. I get an extra night's hours sleep <laughs> or something. Something. Anyway, yeah, a lot, a lot going on. I don't really care that much about leap years or or daylight savings time, but uh, I am uh, I am kind of getting back into the groove of you know travel and work, and uh, so it's it's been good, and I'm, it's nice to be here on drive through. So, but we have a guest, so let's talk to him. Yeah, Hello. we do have a guest. So uh, uh, we're we're pleased here today to. Um, to welcome our guest, Adam Rosenfield. So, welcome, Adam. Hello. How are you? Good. Good. So let's uh, let's kick off uh, in in good old drive through HR fashion, and uh, I'm going to ask you two questions. One, tell tell our audience a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do, where you know how you spend your time, what what your roles are, um, and also. How about letting us know what um, you know as an HR professional? What's what's keeping you up at night? What, what's top of mind for you right now? Yeah, so my name is Adam Rosenfield. As they said, uh, I am uh, based out of Austin, Texas. Uh, Texan pretty much my entire life. Um, I you know work at a uh, real estate investment property management firm. Uh, we're Based, you know, based in Texas, do but do do work all all over the place. Um, but uh, obviously, I don't let work define me. Um, as, <laughs> as we don't say, um, I I uh, what do I do? I, I I love to exercise. I'm I'm a runner. I play basketball, soccer. Huge sports fan. Um, you know, thought my my first ever time like you know being on a blog like this would be talking sports, but uh, no. Mm-hmm. HR. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So what what keeps me what what keeps me up at night? You know, it's yeah. some of the basics. You know, you've got employer brand. How are we how are we positioning ourselves in the greater real estate world? Um, how are we, um, you know, truly being being change makers um, in, in real estate? But you know, as I found out today, I mean, it's also about how you know, different generations are coexisting, um, cultural sensitivity, inclusion, equity, 
Um, and not only that, but um, truly being a voice and an ally for those who have historically been uh, undermined or um, hmm. sort of undermined or uh, uh, left out of the conversations. So mm-hmm. um, that's kind of, that's kind of what, what I'm, I'm interested in now. I'm always interested in kind of how in the international world has an impact on, on HR and recruiting. Um, and, you know, obviously uh, the, the biggest issue for me is, you know, whether the Dallas Mavericks are, are going to go very far <laughs> playoffs as well so <laughs> that's important that is important i, I it appreciate is. that it's, it's 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 very important i mean i know what we have you know what we're talking about today is serious but you know i i can always be on board with uh with, with a conversation around that so uh, anyway there you go well, well you robin's know, a said... giant saints fan so she, you've got a different that's sport right. but and I'm hot. Hey, I, I, anyway. I, man, you and you and I both understand the value of heart, or the uh, not the value, but the 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 idea of heartbreak. So. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, you said something interesting. You 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 tossed a phrase out there, which really leads us into um, the meat of our conversation today. And and just so our just so our listeners know, this this topic and this discussion. Um, as many of them do on Drive Through HR, came out of some other online interactions, and and Adam and I were both participating in some 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 conversations on Twitter, and led us to kind of thinking about this this topic, and that is um, what we termed HR activism, but it it is HR being you know, change leaders, change makers. And, you know, we talked about that, you know, Adam, with some of the things you were talking about day to day, what you do at work, you know, mm-hmm. we can be change makers, change leaders, uh, and bring a level of awareness and activism, if you will, internally to our organizations. Um, what does that look like externally? Um, what is the role of of an of an HR professional in the greater world, um, we've seen this, and it's not just in HR because, of course, this crosses all boundaries of humanity. But political conversations, online discourse, um, people getting very involved and sometimes very worked up um, around politics are. Um, HR people more out there now? Are HR so, people being brave and speaking out? Well, so so let, let's talk. I mean, let's let's go back a little bit uh, because honestly, it's not just politics as well. Um, you know, I have a sure. couple of friends of mine. Uh, they're you know strong, intelligent women of color, and when they post sometimes on LinkedIn you would be shocked. It's not even just politics. It's like basic human decency at the type of, you know, responses that they get um, specifically mm-hmm. actually from males. Um, hmm. So you, you, uh, just on, um, you, you, just on sort of a, a, a variety of, of topics. So um, I want to put that out there. And because I see some HR people respond and, and I'm kind of shocked sometimes at the responses. So I think it's an interesting question because are HR people taking the lead to be change makers? 
Some are, some are not. Um, I think in the case of politics and activism, I don't think they are. Um, I, I think... I think as it relates to, you know, slowly wrapping themselves out of the compliant, the a nature focused more on compliance, I think yes. Uh-huh. Um, but do I think more need to speak out? Absolutely. Um, you mm-hmm. know, obviously people go with the idea of, you know, yes, my role is number one to the organization and the organization only. And I totally understand that. Uh, but when your C-suite is not acting well on behalf of employees or, you know, is exhibiting the bias and, you know, the sort of, the sort of actions that, you know, don't, um, uh, actions that don't um, talk about, you know, div- that, that don't force diversity, equity, inclusion, and don't promote it. Uh, I think, mm-hmm. You know, I think it's HR's duty to speak up and to help C-suite understand that there is a true, not only moral case, but a business case uh, for this as well. Um, I think mm-hmm. some HR people are doing it. I think some have felt the consequences of, of C-suite change, but mm-hmm. I think there's a lot more that needs to speak up. Sorry if I ran a little long. No, no, that's good. Do you think it's... Um, <laughs> Do you think, and I guess this is one thing I've sort of observed, is HR folks within their organizations are much more comfortable quite often making the argument, let's say there's some sort of uh, uh, behavior happening that's that's having a, 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 a disparate impact on, on, on a group or an individual even. Um, HR people are much more comfortable trying to wrap that 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 argument for change around a business case. I was you know, oh, if I can put some numbers to this, that's how I'm going to make my case to yeah. for leaders to change. And much more hesitant to make that moral argument of this is sometimes it's just this is just we're doing things wrong and there's the right way to do things and we're not as human See, beings or as well, well, don't you find that weird? Like, it, as hum, like mm-hmm. it should be human nature to just be a kind person. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, my um, you know my fiance is a, a, a first grade teacher, and she always instills in her kids the kindness challenge. And you know, I think you know as it relates to all this in terms of political di- discourse or dialogue. Um, yeah, I, I think we we sort of lack that, and I think we do get wrapped up in the business case, uh, and we forget, like HR sometimes forgets that like we're literally human resources, like literally right. we are resources for humans. You know, um, a couple things come to mind for me. I mean, number one is you know the I think the when you when you mix politics and you know and as, as they say what politics religion and sex or whatever you're not supposed to talk at the table right um, the dinner <laughs> table um, the, the the politics that are out there today um, are just um, I mean I, I mean I know where I polarizing 
They're polarizing, yeah. I mean, and it, you know, I, I mean, I don't spend a lot of time talking about it because, frankly, it's it only incites <laughs> it only incites violence. You know, it's I mean, you can try to make some change. I think you know, as a as an individual, but you know, it's it's a lot tougher in the workplace, to, especially when you're talking about political discourse. Um, so I, I, I think that you know, I guess what I was thinking of when we when we talked about HR activism is I've seen. I've seen situations like Google or Wayfair or other places where the the employees have, have you know have been speaking out against their company's customer base yeah. or against customer poli- or company policies at Google that kind of thing, um, and and this is like the opposite of that is what's the role of HR? I guess kind of what you're asking is what's the role of HR in kind of leading in this activism and it. You know, I, I mean, this may sound wimpy. I'm afraid. I, I don't really want to say this, but it, it it's what it comes to mind as I was listening to what you guys were talking about because I wasn't part of that uh, initial conversation that you had on Twitter. It, it can be dangerous, and it can be, um, you know, da- dangerous is probably overstating it, but it can be organizationally um, dividing if you if you try to get too political. And I've I've had situations where. You know, talking about like upcoming potential policy changes that hinge around an election that could affect employers in the workplace or whatever. Right. I, I've seen training sessions that have gone, you know, sideways that I was leading because the the employees felt like I was being too political. Right. And yeah. So I, that I was, you know, and say, so you know, and I was like, no, I'm not. I'm just talking about the facts of what's happening and what could happen. You know. So I was, I felt righteous in my position, but they felt it was, it was polarizing for them. And so I had to kind of go back and rethink my own approach on that. Right. I thought I was doing the right thing, but it said, a, you know, I'd say half the people in the room put them up on edge. You know. Mike, so, Michael, Michael, yeah. let me ask you when, uh, when, when does politics become like when you when you tell them that you know politics is about you know it becomes a moral issue rather than just a political issue right yeah and i i don't know the i you know i that i guess that's what i was driving at adam is i don't know the answer to that question i mean it's really it's really um but but you know like how do you figure that out and how do you as an HR leader help you find it, your organization's path because it, it's it's fraught with risk I guess is what I what I see and I think that's what stymies a lot of HR people from taking it because it's you know taking those first steps so how do they go about doing that? Well, so 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 let me let me say this I think you you know number one you are obligated to. Because there are a lot of people who are like HR people who are like, you know, I'm I'm a political, I stay out. But I think the HR leader of the future, especially as we deal with topics like diversity in the C-suite or inclusion, mm-hmm. or like how I mean, think about it. There is there, you know, for example, Trump, Trump's Muslim ban or the border wall, right. like that severely mm-hmm. impacts that severely mm-hmm. impacts employees mm-hmm. in your organization, and so. You know, I think as an HR leader, you have to take an active stance. Like, for example, uh, the whole crisis that happened in Iran. Um, you know, that is a time for you as an HR leader to talk to your Iranian employees or, you know, those of Persian descent and say, hey, are you okay? Is your family okay? How are you? Because, you know, then that deals with they, if they're affected by that, they're not really focused at work. Like, work is not their priority. So, you know, you have to teach your people to get involved. You have to get involved yourself. Like it, it's, I mean, in this age of 
corporate social responsibility, we, we have a moral obligation to, as mm-hmm. HR, to be involved and be that resource for humans. So, so the, I think the one, kind one of, thing I've... Go ahead. Oh, what, I was going to say, one thing I found is <clears throat> that um, how HR leaders or HR professionals can can serve value in, in these areas is to be well well informed and well educated themselves and to also use sometimes micro moments to educate other people um, around something that may seem inconsequential because they just haven't thought about it. And the example I'm thinking of is, I guess this is, I don't know, almost two years ago or so maybe, um, when uh, remember when Papa John had the um, the whole kerfuffle because it came out mm-hmm. he had made all these racist statements, and yeah. so all of a sudden you know it it, it it was a big deal for a number of people for you know uh, especially in the immediate aftermath when that all came out. Well, <clears throat> the Papa John stuff happened, and as it's so while it's living and breathing its life, we had. Um, I can't remember what we had some sort of thing at at at, the, at work where I was working at the time, and the um, senior, you know, uh, the the couple of senior leaders ordered in pizzas to put out in the break room for like a weekend shift or something. And what did they order? But Papa, Papa John, John. Boy, Papa John pizza, and our workforce was probably about seventy percent black employees. And so I happen to be in the break room, and all these pizzas get brought in. And I'm standing there, and one of the employees said to me, huh, I sure wouldn't uh, be really comfortable right now eating Papa John's pizza. And, you know, I had sort of had the same thought when this Papa John comes, comes marching in, and this employee just said it, you know, said it out loud, like as an aside to me. So I went to the GM and the you know, security director who had ever ordered them, and I said, hey, just an FYI, so you're aware, probably shouldn't have got Papa John's because of all the way that it's in the news when we look at who our employees are and what may be offensive to them. And it just, it was just a little moment. It wasn't blaming the leader for doing something, but they just, it hadn't even crossed their mind. So it's kind mm-hmm. of those little teachable moments. The other thing I was going to say is um, I think that to your point, Adam, about like talking to Iranians, you know, during that time or whatever, I think that what HR folks can do is as leaders is to try to structure an environment um, where there are, where there almost like where there's safe places to have conversations that are, that you know are going to become heated or, or that are going to raise uh, raise divisions on both sides, and I'm thinking like we've talked a lot on Drive Through over the last couple of years about diversity and inclusion and Me Too and and all these kind of things. And you know, as like with even to this last week with Harvey Weinstein, I mean, Me Too is back in the news again. Yeah. You know, with a with a long lifespan, right? And and yet, you know, there are still a lot of companies where the you know male employees you know are still backing away from working with female employees and stuff. And I think well, I mean, I mean, and and look, you can even see in the presidential election. And, you know, you've got, uh, um, you know, Bloomberg is the, right. the whole NDA situation. The old NDAs, yep, the whole NDA yeah, situation. Yeah. His his partner, his life partner of, I don't know, 20 years or whatever, said in a news story yesterday, just told people, just get over it, it's old news. So that, that apparently that's the answer huh. that we're going to get from that. Um <laughs> 
Um, but it, but I mean, you know, Trump hasn't released his taxes either, so you know you can get away with stonewalling pretty easily these days in politics, apparently. Um, Adam, I was curious. Do you feel like there's a generational difference or component to this that age so, younger uh, HR people maybe yeah, you know, more I mean, willing to speak out? Yeah, I mean, I, I think 100. percent You know, more 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 HR pros like those who are those who are coming in. You know, those my age, younger. A um, couple of years older than me, I, you know, I think we are we were raised in the generation where, you know, we we want to chart the future of work and, you know, bias and uh, being cha- being change makers and truly making an impact on the world is, is important to us. Um, I think there are some people who are a little older than me who are speaking out, but I think it's really coming from. I, I really think HR change is coming from millennials who are desiring a purpose-driven workplace. Mm, mm. And, and aren't afraid to, and people like, to and people say like it Robin. for it. What's up? <laughs> and old ladies like Robin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I do think that's interesting. And um, uh, before we move on with it, let me do a real quick reset because we are about two-thirds of the way through the show already. So, uh, 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 you're listening to Drive Through HR with Mike and Robin and our guest today, Adam Rosenfield, talking HR activism um, in in the Roaring Twenties. I like, uh, you know, I love that <laughs> moniker. Um, and um, thanks to Q, our sponsor, and let's continue on with the show. So, kind of a follow-up question on that. Um, you know, Adam was just saying about, um, you know, people. Uh, people willing to speak out, you know, and I think HR professionals um, saying this is this is the kind of workplace we want and where we where we want to work. And Mike touched a little bit on you know the fact that you know some some large employers, Google employees, etc., have have you know in a large large and mass voiced voiced concern about policies of their employer. Um, on the flip side of that, there's corporate social responsibility as really I think the positive aspect of that. How important is that for, uh, you know, what's your take on that, Adam? Is corporate responsibility, corporate social responsibility, uh, fancy buzzwords? Is it important? No, I mean, mean, it's a corporate responsibility is is a mission statement, but it's also a recruiting tool um, because Mm -hmm. people now want to see what impact, you know, what impact are you having on society. Um, like my yeah. organization, but we, we specifically were talking about this last week um, because, you know, right now me and a couple other people, what we're trying to do is educate our organization on what corporate social, because it's not just, I think some companies is they're like, oh yeah, charity, like let's, let's just yeah. do a tour drive or something like that. But yeah. our, gener- our generation is, you know, how do we make an impact? You know, what is job yeah. training program? How do we, create pipelines how do we how do we leave the organ how do we leave the world better um than how we found it uh and so i think it's so critical um and it's not just you know environment or everything like that but it's also you see in the print in the, in the digital media world you know these people are, are um uh writers are unionizing right now and so because they're trying to make things better for the writers that come after them. Um, so, you, you know, it's, it is so, so important to, 
figure out, I mean, it doesn't matter if you do biotech or real estate or you are an NBA basketball team, you know, you are now trying to figure out how, how are we making the world a better place? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, um, well, I'm going to pass on that. I, I, I had a question I was going to ask related to that. No, no. But I'm, no, no, it's quiet. It, we don't have time to really cover it. I had another question that's more important. So, so in, in, in the, in the corporate world of corporate social responsibility, I have two questions, I guess. One is, um, you know, it, HR doesn't always own that inside the corporate world, no matter how big the company is or no matter how small, HR doesn't own that CSR necessarily, the development of that policy and that, that uh, statement and mission. Um, so how, do, how can HR people impact that? And then who does, if it's not HR, who does have the institutional power around CSR? That was the other part of the question. So I, I think I think it depends. Um, <clears throat> I think one HR people can impact CSR by being mission driven, and you know partnering with being a true business partner to the different areas of your of your company, um, because that is the best way to sell CSR um, and tell them like this is how it impacts your part of the business. Um, you know they can also be an outside conduit. Uh, you know, there, there's a reason I post on LinkedIn. There's a reason I try to partner with organizations is because, you know, I want to see what do outside organizations need and how can we, uh, how can we truly be a part of that? Does, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. 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 And so, it, it, you know, in terms of, and I think your next question was institutional power, correct? Right, right. Who, who kind of, who, who really does run things, I guess, in your opinion? Uh, so I, I I think I think it depends. Um, I you know Robin and I chatted about this, and I think it's slowly changing. You know, traditionally white men have always and, and they still occupy a lot of the C-suite. Uh, but I think two things are happening. One, white women are continuing to become a force, both politically and in the business world. Um, sometimes that is opening it up for POCs. But you know, I think there's I think there's still a gap. Um, I think I honestly think you know I I speak I speak up because as a white man I want other white males to also speak up about injustices as well and how to improve yeah. the HR space in general. But mm-hmm. white women honestly have the most power, the most untapped power in the world right now. For a variety of reasons. Okay, we probably one, don't have one. One could time even say they're those. a powerful voting <laughs> voting block here in the U.S. They are. So they are a powerful. They are a very yep. powerful yet hidden. I mean, in my opinion, hidden voting block. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. We we've got about under three minutes left. I don't know if we had a last question, Robin. Yeah, no, I think um I guess yeah, here's a here's a a, a quick last question, uh, probably about a 1 minute answer for you Adam. What when what's your advice to HR people um who say uh they want to get a stronger voice? Are they what do they need to do to feel free to speak up in their within their organizations or externally about things that are important to them, whether that be Injustice, whether that be treatment of people, how do they gain the courage? 
I think I think just be authentic. I think too many people are afraid to be their authentic selves in the workplace. I mean, studies show when people are authentic in the workplace, uh, they they're more productive. So if you feel a certain way, um, you, if you feel a certain way, be be free to speak out. I, I think there's no yeah. real there's no real practice or anything like that. It's just believe having the courage to believe in yourself because if you believe in yourself and you believe in the right things, um, society and history will shine kindly upon you. Mm, I love it. That's a good thought to leave us with today. And, and we're getting ready to wrap up. So Adam, thank you so much for joining us. Um, please let our listeners know where they can find you online, LinkedIn, Twitter, etc. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at uh, what is my Twitter name? Uh, Adam <laughs> Adam Rosenfield, I think. Uh, wait, hold on. Yes, Adam Rosenfield. Uh, I'm a frequent LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn. My name is Adam Rosenfield. Uh, you can search "friendly disappointed Dallas Cowboys fan" and I will pop, <laughs> to pop up. So, uh, literally says it on my LinkedIn. And uh, you can find me usually at my uh, at, a, at a local restaurant uh, eating any types of food too. So, <laughs> fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, let's uh, let's play some outro music here. And thank you, Mike. Thanks to our thank listeners. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, Adam. Yep. Catch you next week on Drive Through HR. Bye, everybody. <laughs>